Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks again for tuning into another episode of the Sample Hour. This is Drew Sample here, one of your fabulous hosts. Um, unfortunately, Wes Sample couldn't be on this podcast due to his work schedule. He has a job, I don't, so it's a lot easier for him to, a lot easier for me to get on and record. Luckily, uh, through Twitter, I was talking and a uh, very special guest, Mitch Nutter. I said, hey, can you hide from your wife? He said, actually, today's your lucky day. She's going shopping. So he got on. We had a nice Skype conversation. Um, so go ahead, follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Mitch Nutter. Um, um, also, go to his website. Check out all of his stuff that he has on there. If you shop on Amazon, I believe he still has an Amazon link. Um, so you can go ahead through that and maybe give a little bit of money to help him support his podcast. Um, go ahead and follow us. I'm at Drew Sample. My brother is at Clever Wes. And this podcast's Twitter account is at The Sample Hour. So if you guys uh, also could go on and iTunes and rate and subscribe, we appreciate positive feedback. We only have five comments. It'd be cool if after this podcast we have ten. Unfortunately, I don't think we actually have ten listeners. I'm just teasing. Anyways, I just want to say a special thanks to At Mighty Far, saying some very kind words to us um, about our podcast, Postal Poet. Um, it means a lot, even just from somebody that lives in Nevada and Las Vegas. So follow him on Twitter as well. Um, he's a big promoter of everybody, like just people like you and I. Um, he's just like you and I. So mad props to Mighty Far. Uh, at the Izzy Rock, follow his ass. Wish him a Merry Christmas. Ask him if you can touch his beard. Um, thanks again to Dad for listening to every episode, giving me feedback. But I was probably uh, about the drunk cast with Andy Evans. Probably a better idea if you guys didn't get drunk when you try to talk about sports. I mean, it's funny and all, but you don't really know what what you're talking about. <laughs> Good advice, Dad. Thank you. I love you. And uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter at LobelQZs. I don't think he knows how to use it. Say, hey, sample Dad, and then say hashtag. Do you understand how to use this? That'd be pretty cool if he told me that one person sent that to him. Anyways, uh, I hope you guys have a happy happy holidays. Um, stay out of trouble, um, be safe, be smart, and uh, yeah, we love you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. where you're sitting there and like you just hear bing bing yeah because everybody's fucking coming in and out of it you just get used to it you have to uh really just kind of hone in on your little platform make sure it gets out there it gets interpreted properly and don't pay very much attention to a lot of the peripheral stuff and try to focus on one thing at one time which is hard to do but that's what i do and that's why it's hard for me to have a guest yeah that makes sense. You do pretty well on your solo podcast, though, man. I must say, uh, listen, listen. I think it was the one where you were talking about when the police came and you were you had some plants or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always feel like like I don't ever plan the podcast, man. Not even a little bit. So I just turn the microphone on and I start talking. And uh, I've only 
deleted maybe like one minute total of shit where like I turn it on and something happens yeah. and I just turn it right back off. I've deleted that shit. But other than that, I've never edited a thing out of a podcast, you know? It's, I've had to just because of guests, like they'll say things and then they come back and they're like, can you edit that out? Or it just didn't come out the way that they wanted it to sound. So I usually will let people listen to it before I post it. Really? Yeah. And then uh, I've had a few people that have said, yeah, I, I don't like the way that sounds. Or do you think you could edit that out? I don't think those people would understand. Like they shared a little bit too much personal information. So before they put it on the Internet, they're like, I don't want to do this or anything like that. And well, those days are over, I think. Yeah. And for most people, they're going to have to realize that that I've set it up pretty well. It's difficult to find out who I am. I can do it. Yeah. I can follow trails and figure it all out. Yeah. But um it's hard. And what I made important was that you can't figure out who I am through Mitch Nutter. Yeah. You have to go the other way. You know. <laughs> yeah. I uh so, I was just pretty much Yeah, I was just pretty much like well, I've already said Drew Sample, and that's my, like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm Drew Sample, I'll just, whatever. I, I It is what it is. I don't, it was just one of those things, I think when I lost my job, man, uh, um, I didn't really lose it, just basically I, I had a job, I quit my previous job, the offer was rescinded after I'd already quit, so then I was just kind of in this situation where, you know, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? And I literally did panic for a good week. And then the day I was supposed to start, I ate, an, ate the mushrooms. And that really helped me out. Like, that really, like, I just kind of dealt with shit I had to deal with. And it was, uh, I had all these creepy thoughts that I, I entertained and I just fucking had the experience, man. And then it was, uh, yeah, man, I mean, life's pretty much changed. I mean, it's not, like I've always been kind of a positive guy, but it's more like seize the moment attitude is definitely there now. Like, you know, let's just get after it and get it, put put out content, see what happens, see if people like it, see if you know, see what kind of response I get. And it's it's cool that I've had a pretty positive response, but I think you have to like you still like my my biggest thing to keep in mind is like respecting the podcast or not really being me, but just being like thoughts that are reflected that you know, that may be coming through me. So, I mean, like, just to kind of make sure my ego is out of the situation completely. So, and just be grateful for any kind thing that anybody says or anything like that. Like, that's been my whole attitude towards everything. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it, man. I think that um, I want my inefficiencies to show. Yeah. You know, that's really important to me. I've never allowed myself to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know? And, and this is, um, I think, the ultimate showing in security is to become extremely vulnerable. Now, I tell everyone everything about me except for my name. So you're not getting, like, some alter ego. Yeah. You're really getting me, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm playing it square, and I need those things to be out there, and I need to become one with humanity. I'm not, you know, connected at all. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I hide. I don't just hide from my wife. That's the funny thing. Like I hide from everyone but my kids. You know, like I don't. Um, like I dread going to the mailbox. Like I don't like to see my neighbors. You know, I have a group of friends from high school since I was like ten years old, and the same group of friends I've had forever. It's never changed. Interesting, man. Yeah, I just don't. I'm not interested. You know, and like honestly, like Jason and Izzy, and Kern, a couple of people, man, like that I've met, they've become friends of mine. And it's because I've learned how to vet people pretty well with Twitter. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a concise operation, man. And uh, if your job is to figure people out or that's what you've made your money doing, selling, whatever the fuck it is, right? If you have Twitter, you can really pull it out of people. And people, like, the way they interact on Twitter is so revealing. So I, I like it. You know, it's like, it's pretty honest. I mean, I'm an introvert. Yeah. I posted my Myers-Briggs results on Twitter the other day, just just to put them out there. Yeah. And, you know, that's a in-depth personality, you know, thing that people keep private. But I don't care. I, you know, I'm an introvert, man. Yeah. I don't want to talk to people. I've made money doing sales. Yeah, I, I think I'm, a lot of people would say I'm extroverted, which I think to a lot of point I am. But it's only to a certain extent. Like I can't always be, 
I can't always be the center of attention, even though I do like being the center of attention, but like I have to have time for myself. Like I get very introverted. I get very, where I just want to do my thing by myself. I don't really want to talk to anybody. Um, but I'm not, uh, I'm not naturally an introvert. I don't think so. It's, it's interesting just because like, listen to your podcast. I wouldn't really assume that you're an introvert. Yeah. I, 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 I listen to them right after I release them. I don't listen to them before I release them. Yeah. I just totally, I look on GarageBand to see if there's like a visual gap in audio. Like not that I sat there and paused, but like I fucking dropped something accidentally in there. And other than that, I sew it together real quick and put it out there. Then I listen to it. And uh, listening to myself on there and just that whole experience as well, it's... um Therapeutic? Yeah, it really is. And also, like, the first thing I had to get used to is that my voice sounded weird after the first one. And I knew that because my whole life I've been an introvert, but I've had to perform. Yeah. You know, that's part of life. And my life was very much scripted in so many ways. So I had to perform. And um, so just coming on here, I knew that I just had to get over that hoop, you know, that first little hump to, to get through. And then once I heard my voice, I, I, every time I speak on here now, I hear that instead. And I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. How do you, like, what do you mean by your your life was scripted? Well, like, I mean, there was a plan, you know, like, this is what you're going to do. Not that I had to have a particular job or anything, but I mean, you just knew you wanted to make a certain amount of money. You just knew you wanted to be in a certain field, that sort of thing. No, my, my dad did though. Like he knew he wanted me to make a certain amount of money. He knew that he wanted me to be in a certain field. You know, I think he'd prefer that I was an engineer or a doctor or an attorney, but I'm a, I've been in college for like seven years. And uh, I've never graduated. Yeah, I heard you talk about that with uh, Scorgi. I was like, wow, man, two classes away and you'd have three bachelor's degrees. It's stupid. It's stupid. But I didn't, you know, my whole thing was like, I just think that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I'm not trying to be funny, but like, I don't play games with the cheat codes. Like when I, if somebody gives me one of those cheat codes for like a game, I don't like to enter them. Yeah. I like to go through the fucking game, you know? And I felt like I'm not trying to be funny, but it was it would have been really easy if I had just stuck to the script. Everything would have been kick ass for me, dude. And instead I like ended up almost homeless when I met my wife. You know, it was like I, I totally screwed my life up. And I think in retrospect it was a way to provide a struggle for myself, you know, because I needed one. I, I felt like I hadn't earned anything even though I had performed to receive it. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty interesting, man. Do you, do you think that had you not chosen the path that you choose that you did choose though, like do you think you would feel like kind of spiritually void, like in a sense, like you would feel like a. I, I, I mean, for me, man, just working at Verizon, or you know, as long as I did, like four years, and every day just trying to get people's money and you know getting to the point where I felt like I I couldn't have a normal conversation with a person unless it was you know, there was going to be money involved in it. Like it just felt, it just felt odd to me. Cause it just, it, it, like I just felt like I, I, I was selling out my values just for money in that sort of sense, if that makes sense. So I had a person sit me down one time and tell me I was across from them and I was having trouble in a negotiation process that we were doing with like a business acquisition. And uh, he said, listen to me, you're just like me, right? He says, <laughs> you need to realize that you're not doing this negotiation for you. Yeah. You know, you're doing it for your kids. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like, I can fight this way then. And it justified it. It was a rationalization for, you know, Machiavellian type shit. Yeah. And you can crush that way when you start thinking like that. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird world when you get into that kind of shit. When you know when you're fighting for, you know people's everything. Yeah, to provide for your family and then to, I mean, just like what you said, fighting for everybody. That makes a lot of sense, man. Um, yeah, I was thinking last night, like how, what I would do if I was completely single and had no children. Mm -hmm. 
like right now, like what would I do if I had all the same things, you know, I would be out. Like I would like go on some crazy wild, like McAfee style shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think I would necessarily be interested in having a woman around at all for a long time, but like, you know, I would just go totally mind seeking yeah. because the availability of what we could do now from compared to when I was in that particular situation is so different. And I know so much more now, and I would like to, you know, experience that. But um, at the same time, there's two psychedelic paths that you take in life, you know, and this is psychedelic in its own, having a family. Yeah. And every day is, uh, you know, most certainly a trip. Yeah, I bet, man. I can't imagine having children right now. Like, I'm, I'm a single guy, and... I got in like one serious relationship when I was 19 and then I just felt, uh, I don't know, man, like, like my first episode, like I wanted to talk about my relationship with women cause I felt like I've been so creepy over the years with girls. Like I don't, it was just something I wanted to get off my chest and, uh, I can't even imagine a lot of times having a girlfriend, let alone have children. So like, I'll listen to like you talk or I'll listen to Izzy talk about his kids and it's, it's not like it's something that I, I would never want, but it's just like, man, I can't even handle I like I don't even know how I would respond for like having somebody else that I would always like if you have a baby like you can't go take a shit on your own like you have to take the baby with you while you take a shit that's cool though I mean like the thing is like my dad put it to me when it happened like he called me when the baby was born and because you know my child I'd been raising kids for years but he didn't recognize that really (laughs) so like you know when my child was born he called and what he said to me was I just want you to know that you have to understand that the train has left the station. Yeah. Like you, there's no jumping off. There's no turning back. Now you have to play every hand of cards on this train, you know? And it was like, okay, that totally makes sense. And you either accept that and you have an awesome life or you don't accept that. And you have strange resentments and weird shit going on that I see my, you know, people that I've, known for years having you know it's like ah you know what's that like i I mean i know they love their kids i don't know anybody that doesn't really love their kids but there's um you can either you can either be around them or you can be with them you know like I, i probably am too cool with my kids you know but it's made it i'm not their friend yeah, you know, like I play Call of Duty and kick their ass like a guy at the mall would do me Mortal Kombat 15 years ago because they need that in their life, you know, but I'm not um, I'm not trying to be their buddy either at the same time, if you can understand what I'm saying. Or a, a guide in a sense. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, somebody that's always doing the right thing, but still competitive, you know, and I have to quarantine my kids from the shit heels that I live around. You know, I mean, because they're just like, they're like feral children. What do you mean by feral children? I mean, like, exactly that. Like, they're not supervised. And they have, it's the worst possible situation for down the road, too. So I'm thinking about it, is that they're unsupervised children with uh, endless resources. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, I grew up with kids like that. And a lot of them. Hold on, even better. And I'm not trying to cap on anybody, but just statistically, they're adopted from drug-addicted mothers. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was going to say. Like, a lot of kids I grew up with, man, uh, you know, they got into some serious drugs. Um, and luckily, I never uh, – I don't know. Like, one of my best friends, he was this awesome athlete, and he, you know, he – he had a, like his mom married this rich this rich guy who owned this company and they ended up moving to Murfield and had this like humongous house and but like his it was like his mom would just give him money like she didn't want to be his mom she just was like oh money will solve this and she would just throw money at him and she'd give him like 50 bucks a week and it's like what do you think a kid's gonna shit money? like what what else is he gonna do he doesn't know like you're not telling him the only time you tell him something is to fight him I mean it's it was never uh there wasn't really a relationship. It was just like, it just seemed like the only time she wanted to talk to him was to discipline him or to go to his, I mean, she was supportive in the, her own way, but she wasn't like she was giving him the attention that he needed. And then eventually his senior year, they paid for him to go to this like rehab school. Um, and yeah, 
fuck that stupid shit, man. Here, I'll beat the fuck out of him. Yeah, and like, I remember they had, they even had like, uh, these guys were wearing like FBI jackets to freak him out, and they they took him out of his house in the middle of the night, and then he called his dad, and they didn't even tell his dad anything about it. And so his dad goes to the airport because somehow he got away from him in the airport and he calls his dad. Then it ended up it was just some rehab school. And then he came back and probably took him a month to go back to what he was doing before. I mean, it wasn't that it, it, you can't. I mean, it, it's just I feel like that's like a big thing in our society is, you know, we just want to throw money at problems versus like, hey, let's really learn about why these problems are happening or let's really treat the root of the problems instead of the symptoms. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we definitely need to fight the the cancer, not the symptom. You know what I'm saying? That's for sure. But th- sometimes being able to throw money at the problem can be good, depending on how your other resources are allocated. So, so like if you have, you know, people are, you're not going to change their minds. You're just, you're not. You you worked if you worked at Verizon for that long, you're probably a very very good seasoned salesperson. And you know that you just have to work with what appeals to them and change their decisions, right? And so I think in politics, that's what we have to do. And, like, let's take in Ohio uh, cannabis legalization. You know, there's routes that haven't been taken yet that are just, it's really pathetic the way things are here because it could happen if we just did it through farms and we we could get Republicans on board with that kind of shit. Like sell it to farmers since we have this fast, great, rich soil in Ohio or... Oh, we, we it's perfect, perfect climate for growing. I mean, it's perfect. Southern Ohio is ridiculous. Isn't Iowa and Ohio like the two best farming states, like soil-wise or something like that? Have you heard that? I have no idea, but I can tell you that the soil uh, around my house is fucking incredible. And, I mean, you know, it's like it, when I took, like, pH levels of it, I was like, is this, like, the, the machine broken or something because it was just hitting perfect every time. Not like on seven, it was hitting on like 6.2 or whatever it was needing to be. It was amazing. Um, I just think that we just do everything the wrong way, you know? And I think that it's, um, you know how like racism will be built into a system and then eventually 50 years down the road, like nobody in the company is racist at all. Like you could give them a lie detector and they're all nice, but there's still racist things happening because it's like, an industrial, you know, institutional racism. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's where we're at. It's just a, a, a fucked up machine that's out of control, you know? And it's hard to find, a, you know, a conspirator, a person. It's almost impossible to find this shit anymore because conspiracies are built in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you, you're, you're searching for nothing because it's, it's there. Yeah. So there's not really a they or a them. It's just something that's naturally occurring within the system. Sure, like the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> no, I mean, really, like, there's there's energy that people feel, and we all talk about this shit all the time, and, like, you know, something is happening, yeah. you know, and, and you can, there's evil people out there, for sure. Like, I don't know if they're born evil or whatever, but there's people doing horrible, horrible, hedonistic-type things, you know? But um, they're not enough to make it happen the way it does. You know, it's a huge fucking mess. Yeah, that's something. Um, do you do you like do you ever, do you read comic books at all? Comic books? Like, if you read any like Alan Moore, he's the guy that wrote like V for Vendetta and The Watchmen. Dude, I don't read shit. <laughs> no problem. So Alan Moore's thing is like, because I got really into probably five years ago, I started reading about like the Federal Reserve and conspiracies and all that stuff. And then when I read him, it like because he wrote like The Watchmen. And he wrote V for Vendetta, and it's always like, you know, kind of this imperfect, like, it's 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 always kind of about a dystopia. Like, you know, society's max point, it seems to be, is, is always going to be a dystopia. It's it's like when we when, when there's big groups of us, there's always a dystopia. I mean, that's, that's like something that I've kind of come up with just from reading different things and just kind of seeing the way, like, the bigger cities get, the, the more fucking crazy it gets, like, the higher the population is, that sort of thing. And sure. What Alan Moore was saying is there's not really a they or a them. It's just it's just like the chaos of of everybody wanting to get their peace and it just everybody just ends up fucking everybody. You know what I mean? If that makes well, sense. Well yeah. No, totally. Look at like sociological things like um look at uh, how redlining eighty years ago 
in all these cities in the north made the city still segregated today in, in such a, a huge way. And it's because there's a, I forget the name of the study, but, you know, every white person has their black people limit that they'll live around. From 90% white is when they leave, then they, there's some that'll leave when it's 80% white, all the way down to 50% white. And there's very few white people that'll stay past that. And so, like, as they show how moving places in and out with curves and all these things that it doesn't matter whether the people are racist anymore. It's still going to resegregate itself over and over and over again because black people have their white people limits too. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. And it's just, it's something that that's, it's just happening. You know, it's ones and zeros for sure. Yeah. Like that's interesting. Cause I look at Columbus where there is a lot of culture in Columbus, but it's all self-segregated culture. Like there's, I mean, if you go to Bexley, you know, it's going to be predominantly Jewish. If you go to the east side, it's predominantly black. If you go to northwest Columbus, it's all white. If you go to if you go to the south, it's all hillbilly and you know what I mean? Like it's all it, new money. Correct. Yeah, it's it's totally self-segregated. And it's it's just really interesting. Like I moved out east from no, northeast from northwest. And northeast is like this nice blend of like white and black and we have like Somalis and there's more culture. I mean, where I live. But people from the northwest part are like, oh, I don't want to go out there. I'm like, you know, why? Are there too many black people? And, like, they don't want to say yes, but I know that's why. Like, I just know that's why. And I'm not even saying that they're racist at all. But they're like, you know, they'll, they'll attack you if you say the N-word or anything like that. But they, at the same time, they might... are the most dangerous racists. Correct. Uh, they might not want to say anything racist and they'll stick up for black people. But they don't necessarily sleep at their mom's house. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, they stick up for the poor little Negroes. That's why. Yeah. Because they're not as good as them. And they, they need, don't be saying that about those Negroes, you know. I mean, that that's how those kind of people are. We've got to help them out. Help little Javarius get his running back, you know, help the boosters at the school. I mean, you know, the, the little black people. And, I mean, that's exactly the scariest type of racism. Those are the Harry Reeds, man. I mean, those are, like, those kinds of people that... Democrats scare the shit out of me because they're umbrella salesmen, right? Yeah. That promise you that with their profits that they make from selling umbrellas, they're going to stop the rain. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, you're, you're freaky, weird, racist people. And they don't even understand it, right? They're I, not, you could give them a lie detector and they would love black people, kissing black babies and everything, right? But they're racist, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, what did George Bush say? It was a terrible thing that he had to say it, but the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, you're definitely on point. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I I tend to lean more in the. I mean, I mean, just as you know, and I know about you, like just through Twitter, like I'm definitely a firm believer in civil liberties and in freedoms. But I, yeah, I mean, like Democrats are. Democrats, like Al Gore is really scary to me. Like Al Gore is one of the scariest people to me because he's incredibly intelligent and everybody thinks that he gives a shit about the environment, but then like he owns a carbon credit company. Like people don't even know what carbon credits are. Like carbon credits are just basically you pay in to, the people think that it's, it's, it's like they're paying in to reduce carbon, uh, carbon emissions, but they're not at all. It's like, Hey, I'm guilty because I have carbon emissions. So I'm going to buy credits. And that's what people don't get. Like people don't understand. Like, people don't follow their money. Like if it you, was the keenest way you could ever get hippie leftist tree huggers to put themselves on the grid. All these fucking morons that would never be participating in some sort of mail-in government-style system are suddenly putting their name and address all over the place as well. It's like there's all kinds of fucked-up things tied into this shit. Al Gore is a freaky dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, did you do you ever watch Penn and Teller bullshit? Did you ever watch any of those shows? Yeah, I totally did. They, I got into it a little too much and started like going back on them, but like the show was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, like Penn. I don't agree with everything Penn says. Like I like his podcast. <laughs> right. But I mean, like Penn has the same problem that, and I have a lot of atheist friends. So I'm like more. I'm always more afraid of offending my atheist friends because I have so many. But it's like the it's it's like the dogma of science. Like this guy, um, I was talking, we were talking to Postal Poet about it. There's this guy, uh, oh man, what's his name? It's Thomas Hughes. And he wrote this book about, um, I just bought it on Kindle for like five bucks. And it's like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever read it all. But it's just basically about how whenever there's a new scientific innovation, 
because people are asking questions about science, everybody gets, everybody just gets, uh, like, well, this, this is, this is the answer right here. And, and people stop asking questions. Like they don't go get to a certain point and continue to ask questions. And I think like, that's how atheist mind will work. Like they're like, well, you know, there's no God and this is why there's no God. But then they don't say, well, okay, well, yeah, evolution's here, but how did we get from apes to human beings? Like, we still don't have that answered. Or how did we get from amoebas to this? I mean, and how did it all take place? Like, what what was happening to make make that happen? And people don't want to ask those questions. Like, people don't want to believe that there was, like, a, an intelligent design in place for us to evolve. But then you have the crazy fucking creationists that any science is evil and it's the devil. So nobody – and, like, you have to take the two and, and put them together. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean – I think that we're seeing a strange part in time right now that's happening in, in those two zealot fringes, right, on either side, on all kinds of issues, we're starting to see curve all the way around and touch each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think that with science especially, like, that stuff's starting to get on my nerves too. And I... I like that lady like Kara St. Marie or whatever her name was on the Rogan podcast. I really liked her perspective because it's not – no one puts it out there like she does. That's that's refreshing, right? But at the same time, that's too far one way. You, you know, it's it's like when people ask me if I believe in God, I say it's it's pompous for me to say either way. Yeah. You know, I'm a well, – who the fuck am I to say yes or no to that question? Who the fuck are you to ask me that question, you know? I don't know. I don't know if I believe in him or not. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that means when I say that, right? So, but the other thing that, like, with these polarizing, these zealot freaks that I'm seeing is, like, with the, um, the, the NRA talking about the video games and the movies. Did you, did you feel like they just pissed in your face after defending guns? Like, they just. No, no, it scared me, dog. Like, that was one, I got, like, really nervous about that because it's the people. It, it it made me realize once and for all that the NRA is just, you know, like the CIA or the FBI. Like it's just another weird thing that's tied in somehow. And I don't think the guys that run it, they would shoot the FBI in the face if they broke into their houses. Like they're crazy, but they don't know they're part of it yet either. It's this crazy thing. And now it's connected. They've somehow worked it to connect with the Tipper Gore weirdos of the world. So the gun people and the censorship people. It's like, oh, what the fuck just happened, you know? Yeah, uh, I I agree. I mean, that's, I mean, it, you know what I was thinking after that shooting was I remember after Columbine, you know, I was in like eighth grade, and I remember immediately it was all video games and movies, and that's what was kind of refreshing about Michael Moore because he attacked that stance and he had Marilyn Manson on, and I, you know, I was only, you know. I don't know, 14 when I watched it. And then like when I got older and I saw all the other bullshit he did to make another perspective look bad instead of just like saying, hey, you know, like what we're talking about, like there's different factions within our government that have power that want their power and don't want to lose anything. And they're they're all systematically destroying everything because every I mean, everybody's trying to get their peace and nobody's communicating with each other. It's just like the, the whole Petraeus thing, like. You know, Petraeus was like, um, um, again, Mick said it best, like Petraeus, they were putting up, they're building him up to be a politician. And then the FBI starts investigating the CIA. And then they're like, oh, guess what? He's he's banging his he's banging his biographer. And there, there was no point in doing that. Like they they just wanted to get one up on the CIA. I mean, it's it's just this crazy clusterfuck that just continues to go on and. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just fun. With a huge diffusion of responsibility. Yeah. Right? And so then all of a sudden it just goes away. And, and people are continuing to not, like, we are continuing to not address the real problems of, you know, you know, maybe we should be looking at how much prescription drugs we're on. Or maybe we should be looking at why we have, why we have people in this country that want to go into schools and murder bunches of children. I mean, and maybe we should look at the fact that we've been, you know, killing children with drones for the past 12 years. I mean, that kid was, I mean, that kid was eight years old or no, he wasn't eight years old. He was, man, how old was he when we, when we invaded Iraq? That was 2003. So he's 11 years old. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he's like, he grew up with us being this war nation, like this war nation that, you know, oh, well, we're, we're the police of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what kind of effect that has on kids, man. You know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't grow up with that. No, I mean, I grew up with the Cold War, you know, so like I, I was born in 78. Okay. So all through the 80s, I was a Reagan kid, you know, and my dad was hardcore Reagan as well. But more importantly, you know, he stood for like, the country. So like even when Clinton was elected, my dad like made you stand up when the um, State of the Union came on. You had to stand up at our house. Even when Clinton, I was like, you don't like Bill Clinton. He's like, stand up as the president. So like that's how my whole life was with that. Yeah, it was a it was like a level of respect that your dad said you must have for this country. Shit, yeah, and I mean I was all about that, and you know, and then you start figuring when WikiLeaks came out, it was like the end of the world. <laughs> Dude, like, what's your dad's? Uh, what's his perspective now? Um, there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah, it's that simple. He's got this little nugget to take care of now, and that's what he does. So, you know, he pays his mortgage, he saves as much money as he can, and he hopes an asteroid doesn't hit the Earth before he gets to die. Interesting. The, He's simple. Yeah, like, that's, I mean, it's not a bad way to, I don't know, it's not a bad way to live. You know, My dad doesn't want to go on vacation, you know, he doesn't want to sleep in a foreign bed from his, like, he wants the air conditioning to be the exact same, he wants to cut his grass, you know. Like he wants to have guys from the mulch place come over so we can talk to him while they rake the shit. I mean, you know, that's what he wants to do. So it's it's more of a like, you know, he's got his routine and that's what he likes. I mean, my grandpa's the same way, man. I mean, my grandpa, man, I mean, I think he like he has to take sleeping pills at night because it's like he had like six kids. And somehow in the 60s, he got custody of his six kids. You know what I mean? Like, shit, I guess it was pretty fucking crazy. And uh <laughs> He had like his own business. He worked on the railroad. He worked at a shipyard. I mean, he would literally sleep four hours a night. And half the time, he would sleep a couple hours, like in between jobs in his truck. And so now, like, he has to take like half a sleeping pill at night just to sleep eight hours. I mean, it's it's like this weird thing. I mean, it, like even like with him, like I love him to death. Like, but I know if I want to spend time with him, I have to do things that he likes. Like he's not gonna want to. You know, I could teach him how to use an iPad or a computer, but he doesn't give a shit. Like he, he likes to stores and he likes to get deals. He likes to say dirty things to young women whenever we go out and get a breakfast for a really cheap deal. You know what I mean? And it's good for him. Yeah, man. I mean, that's and it's like I really can't fault him for it. I mean, it just it just sucks now because he's getting old and he's like, you know, he's man, he's one of my, he's like one of my best friends. You know what I mean? Like he's uh, yeah, yeah, isn't it? funny though like our parents do what in our country is like a virtuous routine like this mundane it's like an animal at a zoo that keeps pacing back and forth like for the rest of their life until they die and like i feel like that's my dad like cutting the grass he's like that tiger that just keeps doing that you know and somebody steps in his grass he like jumps over like oh you know has a fucking breakdown about it i don't want to live like that i don't want to be like in that zoo and i think that's strange that that's virtuous you know to to put yourself into this i don't want to say a cage because we're free we're the freest country on on earth there's no doubt about that but it's this self-induced coma of shit and what they do is they become addicted to it and everybody else that does anything else that expands their mind are like these shitheads but these people are addicted to like you know cutting grass yeah and then they they'll like it's like you talk to people and they just make assumptions on their own they don't they don't look into the internet and the, like do you think the internet is the major difference what, what makes us different from from them like because we have something that I mean, we have we have one of the greatest tools for education ever which is the internet i mean the key, i think okay yeah Everything between the time that we were born and they were born has made us different from them. It's just so inc- – the pace is incredible. And I think that, like, just society-wise, that's what it is. It's just everything's changed every fucking year. I mean, so, yeah, computers, everything up to then, you know? Even the way we're processing food is changing them, you know? And computers have had a hand in that. And it's it's the major cultural growing ups that I've noticed in, around the world that seem to, like – not be working right like when people skip cultural growing periods is when you see these horrible things happening all over the place like it's like they skip their adolescent period which is like an industrial age 
like Syria went from like agrarian societies to all of a sudden like somewhat of some tourism. So they had to build infrastructure for services and goods and all of a sudden information age. So they skipped this huge part where like they went through an adolescence of some sorts. Right. And now we have this fucked situation with these people too. I don't know, man, there's a lot of weird shit happening, dude. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a good way to put it, man. I mean, there's, we, like, I think it's important for us to discuss it, but it's just like, we're, I mean, the, two of us probably would, I mean we could never figure out the answers we could we could ask questions and discuss it and maybe somebody else would listen and send us information that might help us think through it more but I, I think it's you know there's just gonna have to be like a trial and error phase like and I know a lot of people I was talking to this girl online um and she was saying how I mean, she's maybe 23 and there's like a like this whole group of 20 year olds that are just getting off the grid and building their own commune and um I forget where, like either in Illinois or Indiana, and I think that's that's incredibly fascinating to me. Like I've like I've been this I've been really looking at like aquaponics and urban farming and getting off the grid and just trying to. I mean, I sent you that that movie Ungripped a long time ago because this this guy in Canada just literally somehow managed to become his own sovereign nation. Like legally, like I'm, I mean, eventually, yeah, they could get invaded by Canadian people and with guns, and I'd really fear. But it's kind of cool to see. I mean, he he found values and he found a philosophy to live by, and he just followed his values, and he got to where he is today. And I think, and I think that that's that's the biggest thing for us to do now. And I, I think, like for me personally, and I think just from listening to your podcast as well, I think you're kind of going through the same thing. Is like. You know, I want to do things for me now. Like, I want to do things based off my values. I don't want to sell my values just to make money anymore. Like, I want to, I want to be able to to be me and make money. If that that's makes that's very hard to do. It's it's really hard to do. I mean, you, it's uh, but I think it's if you just keep following it and you you know you 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 suffer the season in a in a way like you bear through the season. It, it's it's I think it's it's rewardable. And I don't know if it's going to work for everybody, but I think. If you have it in you, you got to try it. And that's, I mean, shit, man, I'm running out of money now. Like, I cashed out my 401k, and I went to fucking Morocco, and was that was an awesome experience. And and now I'm just like, shit, I'm running out of money, but fuck it, dude. I mean, I've, I've cut down a lot of my expenses. I know how much I need to live on a month. Like, you know what I mean? I need to make at least 400 a week, and I'll be fine. So I got a part-time security job. I'm looking for another part-time job, and... I'm just going to keep trying to make podcasts and then see what happens, man. I mean, just see what kind of people I attract in my life or who I find. And and that's, and just trust, trust my path. If that makes sense. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I just have to make sure it happens from five to nine, you know, and I've got this new gig that's going to require a significant amount of time. And, um, but other than that, like my idea is the same, like I've always wanted to do this. And I've always wanted to be on the radio somehow. And I would sit in my car and I did like pharmaceutical sales and uh, I would sit in my car and listen to conservative talk radio all day. And I'd write down notes and stuff. And then I'd call and wait on hold for like two hours until finally they'd let me on. I remember I'd be in doctor's offices with like it on hold in my pocket, checking it to see if they'd answered yet, like doing my work. And then I'd get back out in the car and boom, they'd answer. And uh, I would just go on these rants like that, like became like people would be like, I heard you today, you know, and I was like, good, that shit like people, people like what I'm saying. So maybe I should throw it against the wall. And that's what I say to people. There's been people that have said to me, like, I don't understand why my podcast isn't getting numbers. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the only thing I can say about that is I don't know how all this works. But what I do know is that. I can help you get in front of a lot of fucking people. And I know some people can get in front of a lot of people too. And you should try to do that. And if it does well, that's because it was good. And if it doesn't do well, that's because it wasn't good. And that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. I think for me, like my biggest thing is just trying to make something that I think people would want to that make something that I would want to listen to. And I think if you, if you, if you trust yourself and you love yourself enough, it's going to work out and not to sound too hippie ish, but you gotta love yourself to be to like make it in places, man. Like you, like for some reason that's the hardest thing to do, but you just have to because if 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 you like being with you, then you can really be with anybody. You know what I mean? Or you can people will want to be around you because they're gonna be like, man, that guy's so comfortable in his own skin. 
what does he know that I don't know? So yeah, I'm an awkward individual though. Like I think socially too. Like it's just um, and I, but I do well, you know. Yeah. But, but the nice thing about you being awkward, sorry to cut you off, is I think it's the same thing I have is that you're awkward. And you take all the other awkwardness out in the room, but you can handle it. So people are going to like being around you because they're like, well, he's going to take a lot of pressure off all the situations. Like it's easy to be around that guy because he has no problems. And, and I think like I've, I've always been the same way. Like, man, when I was in Morocco, I was like the youngest out of everybody. Like everybody else was in their 30s or early 40s. And it, people just made fun of me the whole time. And I didn't care. I had an audience. I'm like, sweet. Like, I'm just going and I'm doing, I'm just being silly. I'm just being myself. So, anyways, man, start cutting you off there. No, 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 not at all. I think that, I don't know what it's all about with uh, being yourself and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know what that is yet, really. I'm 34 and I still don't know what that is. I think when my mom died, it was like a real wake-up call to like, I was on this, you know, I felt like I had been in a train that had left the station for work and life, you know, and... I realized that I don't want to walk back and forth and look at the people looking at me in the zoo, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense, man. I mean, I was, I was listening to that, man. Really sorry about the loss of, uh, of your mom, man. I haven't, I haven't lost any parents yet, but, I mean, I've lost, like, uh, my Uncle Ray was, like, a man. He was super close to me. And, I, I mean, it, you were saying, like, you know, you lost your mom in four months. And, you know, it was, it was probably the best way to handle it. And, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to say a sad story, but my, my uncle Ray, like he was in Vietnam and he had a couple tours and yeah, I mean, he was told he had six months and he lived like 15 years, but like, he just had like a ton of fight in him. But like towards the end, man, I mean, like he had jaundice. I watched his skin turn yellow. I watched the scleras in his eyes turn yellow and it was hard to watch, man. I mean, it's, it's not something that, you know, you, you know, it, it makes you realize that you got to live for every day. Like you, you have to live every day to the max. And then uh, a couple of years ago, man, like in 2011, that was a strange year, man. Like I lost like six, man, two really good friends died. Like, and they were like best friends and it was like six months apart. Um, and they were like best friends and it, it was just a weird thing. And then I, like four other people I knew that I was pretty close with died too. And it was just like crazy and random. Like one dude, he got, he found out his skin cancer came back from remission and, you know, he, he passed away. Like he, it just beat him. And, uh, then exactly a month later, my best friend died. He got killed in a car accident and then, uh, just ran at different people I knew that I was kind of close with. They passed away like my, but it was kind of cool. Like, I'm not saying it's cool that my best friend died, but like two months later, two cousins that I, that I have, they grew up like right next door to each other and their best friend that they grew up with got killed in a car accident as well. And it was just, and, uh, it was just kind of cool to be there for them because I mean, like they're, they're a lot like me. Like, I think like the biggest thing for me with funerals and, and dealing with death is that, you know, if, if you know somebody's spirituality and, you know, like, let's say they're an atheist and then, but it's, you know, people want to like a priest there or something or like a reverend because it makes them feel comfortable. But for me, like that would be really offensive to me if I died and I found out that there was like a, a priest at my funeral. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's not what I want. And it's hard to hear if you're, if you're not a Christian and you go to a funeral and you hear someone talking about your friend that you know, wasn't a Christian that, you know, was like very atheist or, you know, had like very set, like that's like the least comforting thing that you have. Because like, I mean, like this, this one guy at my one friend's funeral was just going crazy about how Jesus was holding, you know, my friend. And I'm like, this guy wrote a whole paper about being an atheist. Like I just, it was just insulting and offensive to me. And, uh, so I guess it was cool for me to be there for them and say, you know, just, just know that that's, that, that wasn't meant for you. Like that's meant for everybody else in the room. And you had your relationship with that person, you know, like you're okay. Like you don't have anything else to say to them. Like you were on good terms when they went. So just, just appreciate how that helps you be you. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and just, and, and I, and it felt good for me to have, to be like, to be there for my cousins to lean on, which was something that I didn't necessarily have. If that makes sense. No, I totally do. I think it's hard to know how to act in situations. And I think one thing that's led me to understand how to act better in every situation is having a, a gay man hit on you in a bar and buy you a drink. <laughs> 
that's a moment for like every man, like to kind of, you take a fork in the road, like, who are you? And I learned that very quickly that, that, that life is good. If you become flattered by that drink, you give that guy a hug and, and you tell him, um, that, you know, when you see your cup empty, that he can feel free to get you another one. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that if it's going to make him happy, right? Yeah. It's going to make you happy because you're getting what you want to. And it's just when spirituality gets mixed into things, it's like alcohol being mixed into stuff, man. Everything gets fucked up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's such a personal thing. And I, it's like, that's why I like death and stuff like that. Like my mom's was at a funeral home or whatever, but you know, she was cremated and there was a reverend, but he was the same reverend that spoke at, um, all the soldiers' funerals that came back from Vietnam because she was loved all that kind of shit, you know? So it was, like, a big deal for her like that. But I don't know. Like, I think it's so irrelevant and silly, you know? And I don't even know if, like... I'm not saying that as an atheist. I'm saying that, like, say I'm Christian right now. Like, it's so silly to do something at the end. Yeah. If God is God, right? If God is God, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard, you know? I just think, like, he don't care. Like, were you good? Did, you know, did you like secretly hide in your neighbor's window and masturbate or something? Or were you like a good guy? Yeah. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, were you, who were you? And, and that's what's going to happen if there's a God. So yeah. period, because whatever, like my dad will argue with me all day on that one, dude. He'll say, no, 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 no. This is the church of Peter or whatever, some shit like that, this rock and all this shit. No, no, no. If God is God and he created all this shit, it's all good. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, man. I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, he's like Terrence McKenna, then like he's something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's what God would be like. God kind of be like a mix between Santa Claus and Terrence McKenna to me. You know, he's real cool. He's real cool. Nothing but love. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what God is, and like that's, I think that's the uh, the second shortest verse in the Bible. The first shortest is Jesus wept, and the second shortest is God, it's love. But I think that's the most important verse. I mean, if you just if you live like that, then everything's okay. I mean, you just like, that's what I, I try to do that personally, man. I just try to give people love. I mean, it's, it's, you, you can never get enough of it for sure. Yeah. Atheism and all of that stuff is a very, I have a friend that's, he'll say he's agnostic now, but there were years of fights that we had over atheism and I'm, I've never been religious at all, you know, ever, you know, even when I was like 10, 11, I would go to youth groups and be very disruptive just because I had questions and I felt like, why were we going here if we weren't going to learn something? And I wanted to know answers and they just wanted to tell me bullshit. But this guy was um, like that when he was 23. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, you take him somewhere and he's just really disruptive. And so now, you know, he's kind of come around, but it's a tough, tough subject to tackle. Not just the God thing, but the atheism thing. You know what I mean? People get really, you know, it's a, it's a religion in its own. It is like that's the it it has its own dogs. Um, yeah, just what you were saying. Yeah, something else I want to say. You were talking about uh, science earlier. I know this was about thirty minutes ago, but there's an article I tweeted out, and it's about um, the biggest problem with science right now is that scientists are skewing their results just to get published because publishers of scientific journals aren't publishing like experiments and studies that have zero result and they're not they're not copying results so people want to get published so they can get their phds so they're they're fudging data a lot more frequently now than than ever which is pretty interesting uh, that's there's no doubt that that kind of stuff's happening man i mean there's there's no doubt I'm, and the other thing is that people that are actually in the labs doing the data don't even know it's happening you know it's 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 another one of those things, dude, where it's the department yeah. that has to produce PhDs and it starts turning into that. And so there's no, it's a diffusion of responsibility again. You know, it's, it's who really did it. And you look at these department chairs and these people who are, who are adjunct professors, they're trying to get a goddamn office, you know, and it's just this weird little shit house that starts falling down again and we start getting zero results. Yeah. You know, we need better situations for science for sure and then you know it's built in us to like not look at overseas journals the same way as our own and that's just retarded yeah well that's that's the ego of uh 
think it's the ego, the United States ego. Like, you know, we're, they're not as good as us or they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they're, well, they're not as, you know, they're not as advanced as we are. So their science can't be as good. That sort of thing. Well, I do think that there is something we could get into some biological stuff, but I think that um, we are definitely, I have some American exceptionalism and I don't think that there's any like biological difference between me and whiskey Jack. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, he eats these cheese popper things and I eat Hot Pockets. You know, like little things like that that are ingrained into us every day. Little things make us a certain way. Yeah. And as Americans, there's no doubt that we have this exceptionalism. And, you know, almost like that Tom Cruise thing, like if there's a car crash, you know, I'm glad that I'm there. Like, and as Americans, we sometimes think like, oh, we could have we could have fucked that mal up. You know what I'm saying? Like we could have done that. But. You know, we're like the Scientologists of the world, right? Yeah. It's weird, dude. It's really weird. It is, and it's uh, it's fun though. I mean, life's fun. I mean, there's, it's kind of, it's fun to be in weird situations. But I think, uh, yeah, I think in the, it's it's easy to go insane too if you think about the crazy, the chaos of our 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 world. Like, you know, like how easy, how much. How much better would people get along if everybody spoke one language? I mean, I bet our world would be a totally different place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would completely because look at just the just the translation problems that we have with everything. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. I saw something the other day. Speaking of that, just to how ridiculous it gets when you get a, a zealot, is that somebody you know when you like make a, t- a website and it has a template and it's in Latin. Yeah. Okay, some fuckwad went to some government website where there was like a page that somebody hadn't finished and they Google translated that out of Latin and like it was like, you know, fuck you in the ass and like uh, like on occasion there'd be like weird phrases and they'd be like, what the hell? And they'd be like, it's a conspiracy, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, no, like either somebody had some fun or you just got lucky like the Jewish number code and the, the, you know, Kabbalah or whatever. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I mean, I, I think it's 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 good to to not always be on the Alex Jones Alex Jones road to look for conspiracies and just yeah. just to take an information and make your own conclusions. I mean, I think that's it's a way better way to go. But I, I hey, hold on. Say, Sorry, dude. I'll wrap it up. I mean, it's no. Yeah, that's fine, man. I mean, uh, I got I got like I'm trying to squeeze as much as I can in while the girls went shopping. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I love your theme, man. It's so funny because it's so real. But like, I think what's great is how you said earlier, man. I really hide from everybody, but it's just kind of fun to say hiding from my wife in a way. Yeah, I remember one night my neighbor spotted me. I had like the microphone, the computer, and everything running through the yard to get to my garage, like so I could Skype out there and get the fuck away from everybody. And he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh," and like I had a moment where like he was like my parent. I'm like, "Nothing." <laughs> I don't want to talk to you about the podcast and have to explain to you what it is or no, no, none of that. Plus, I nobody knows that I do it. Like, you know, only a couple of close friends around here and then the whole idea was to viral market it and not have any contacts here make it good. You know what I mean? Interesting. That's really interesting. I like I like that. Uh I was just about to ask you like how many if people have treated you differently since you started it. Dude, no, nobody knows it. Like, if I tell somebody about it, they're like, uh, a what, a podcast? I'm like, yeah, never mind, that's sweet. You know, you don't know anything about it, and we can still do business together. You know, it's like that kind of situation. Like, some of my neighbors, like, the guy down the street that I've known for years, like, I tell him about it, and he thinks it's hilarious. And, like, there was that night that I recorded my wife while we were playing cards. He was there that night. Yeah. Like, he was the guy we were fucking with, so. I gotta check out that episode, man. It's it's tough with so many episodes. I try to listen, and then it's just like, and then like producing my own. It's, it's every these episodes. I've it's impossible, dude. Yeah, like I'm trying to get like a part-time stock job so I can just listen to people's podcasts. It's <laughs> even not have such a such a uh, tough job. So, like looking for overnight stock or something. But, anyways, brother, good talking to you. I'm glad. Uh, let's see, this has only been like a month and a half um, of us missing each other so, uh we got to do it again man yeah absolutely i mean anytime brother what do you uh real quick who you're taking for a ufc fight dos santos or uh kane 
Oh, I have no idea on that one actually. I don't pay a lot of attention to uh, the heavyweights anymore. I don't know why, but like I'm I'm starting to get more into paying attention to like the the Roy McDonalds and the lighter guys. I spend a lot of time loving the heavyweight class. Yeah, well, it's getting good again now. Like for a while, it was shitty. Like for when it was like Arlovsky and Tim Sylvia, like <sighs> shitty heavyweight division, and you'd have to like. But Pride was this is before like we knew the matches were rigged. But Pride had like all the exciting heavyweights, and now it's totally changed. I mean, especially with no more Strike Force, we get Josh Barnett and Daniel Cormier. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And those guys weren't—you never got a real example of how good they were in those arenas as well. But like, do you think Fedor was ever really that good? Now, man, I don't. I hate to think that it ruins my dreams. Like it really does. Like he's the baddest, baddest blue-eyed kind of cross-eyed Russian man ever. That first fight with Kevin Randleman, where he gets souffléed and it looks like <laughs> broke his neck, and then it's like Randleman didn't know what to do then. And so, like, a part of me though is like, man, Randleman had a killer instinct though, which kind of makes me wonder if that fight was rigged. Dude, once somebody throws a little bit of question in there, it's all fucked. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like believe like Dana White, people don't like him. I don't think I think Dana White would, would commit Harry Carey before he would allow a fixed fight in the UFC. Yeah, he, I th- I think uh I mean, they're in the casino business, man. I mean, they we don't know how much money they they make from I mean, gambling. Like I think Dana White like not on their own sport. But, like, you know, Dana White makes a ton of money from gambling on other sports. I mean, he he gambles on every boxing match, every big boxing match. He he tries to schedule it so he can still watch the boxing match after his UFC. Like, he doesn't like to compete. So uh, we'll have to talk about UFC another time. But, Mr. Nutter, thank you so much for uh, – are you – did you record too? I recorded us, so I don't know if you want to – No, I didn't. I didn't. I figured we were doing your thing. Well, hopefully I can be a guest on yours, and I can do your thing sometime. Yeah, totally, dude. I will. I have some questions for you and shit, though. Cool, man. All right, Mitch. Well, I'll talk to you soon, man. Enjoy your evening, buddy. All right, later, brother. Keep your holes in check. Girl and she wants me to duka. I told her I'll come scoop her around eight. She said, That sounds great. Shorty girl's a trooper. No matter what I needed to do, she'd be like, On his own throne, the boss like King Cooper. On the microphone, he flossed the ring. Average MCs is like a TV blooper. MF Doom, he's like DB Cooper. Out with the moolah. I let her get her outfit just to cool her off. She said, Niggas ain't about shit. I wonder if she meant it. I doubt it. The way it be in her mouth, she can't live without it. Can't live with this, handle your business Villainous, stay on a scandalous whole shit list One pack of cookies, please Mr. Hooper It's fun smacking rookies, he is the Look like a black Wookiee when he let his beard grow Weirdo, brown skin, it always kept his hair low Rumors has it, it's an S-curl accident Doom was always known to keep the best girl's backs bent Some say it's the eyes, some say the accent A lot of guys wonder where their stacks went I call her thunder thighs with the fatty swoller Only mess with high rollers, do what daddy told her No matter the city, she with me to do the bang thing Working the coochie hoopsie, chitty chitty bang bang Same name on the titty as on the name ring Pretty like baby D or all in the same gang Keep my eye on her, really don't trust her But I treat her like a daughter Taught her how to bust a nut And the heat to turn beef to horse meat chalupa Teach her how to hold it, of course he is the See most cats treat her like fufa Or beat her to a stupa Take it from the You need to make her feel cuter And lay down in G like Lufa Everything will be Do for her Keep her in a new fur So she looks sweet when she go to meet the Got the Buddha, get the grenadiers Twist it, put it in the air Come here, kiss it Listen here, Scooter Let her try to bag you When she's on the rag Never let her fry the ragu Which will have you under some type of spell Crying dag Boo, her name on your back in a tattoo Whether a bougie or a nerd hole street chick Don't call a wife if you met her at the freak nick You don't wanna, don't waste her time I'll dupe her And be a father to your child like the he keep his hoes in check Sends him out to get glows for more frozen necks Tell him take his clothes, leave him posing naked for real Better yet, get him for the check off the record deal Find out where he keep the tech and the blue steel Make sure for extra wreck, let him know how you feel And while he's running down to All-Star Weekend to ball I'm coming with the U-Ball
master. To the efforts of a misguided fool. It's free enterprise. And I'm not gonna let some blasted government bureaucrat tell me how to run my business. But Doom will be my guest on my private estate on Long Island. There's nothing you can do about it. He's dangerous. I just hope you know what you're doing. Don't I always? Ah, there's Doom's jet right on time. The heat went out in the whole building. Warm enough out there at Long Island with Doom. Doom? Here in New York? Yes, Doom has an amazing new machine. Get the president of the United States on the phone. How long is all this going to take, Doom? I would not advise you to repeat that error. Sure. I know what you mean. 